Chapter 12 I woke up surrounded by darkness, similar to when I first had a vision of the killer. Is this it? I called out. It can't be, I silently pleaded. After everything, from discovering Paul's sordid secret and protecting my sister from him, to finding the killer and being so close to his capture. If only I made more of an effort, maybe thought to stay for a few more seconds to keep him inside the house until the police got there. All I had to do was fight the dizziness for a few minutes, but I couldn't even do that. Welcome back, the voice boomed. It was the same voice as last time. Um, sorry, what is this place and who are you? I asked. You've been here before. Yes, but I didn't know then either. This place is where your soul is weighed and judged. It's where your fate is decided and sometimes it's where offers are made. The voice responded. I don't understand. You have seen that your life fell short of what you thought it was. In death, you saved your sister from a doomed relationship and you came closer than you can ever know to catching the killer and saving the countless lives of innocent women. I failed, I said, only focusing on the part where I was close but hadn't succeeded in catching my killer. It was as helpful as picking two, four, six, eight, ten, and twelve as my lottery numbers, only for one, three, five, seven, nine, and eleven to be called out. You have only failed if you choose to move on now. I wanted to tell him that I didn't understand again, but stopped myself. He must have thought I was stupid. What do you mean? That's when he made the offer. I could go back to three days before my death, armed with the knowledge I had gained. My first idea was to save myself. Then I understood I could save the other women at the same time. You cannot save yourself. If you try and succeed, you will only be brought back here. Then what? I questioned. You'll find out, is all he would tell me. I found this lack of information unhelpful. But he was offering me the chance to go back to my old life, even if it was only for three days. I would be to talk to the people I cared about and those I no longer cared for, then solve my murder and prevent more murders. Although I still had to die, I shouldn't turn down the rare chance he offered me. The unspoken suggestion of going through my own death again wasn't appealing, but I pushed it to the back of my mind. I accept, I said, feeling like I should say something to seal the deal. He didn't reply, but the darkness was replaced by a small light. It spread until I had to close my eyes to avoid going blind. When I opened them again, I was in my bedroom at Paul's house. He lay next to me on the bed, sleeping. His arm was slung over my chest and a smug smile plastered across his face. I battered the invading arm away, more aggressively than I might have if I had woken to a swarm of bees on my chest. At least they had a purpose. What? he yelled, bolting upright his eyes darting around the room before falling on me as the source of his rude awakening. Oh, I couldn't help myself. I knew I had been sent back to perform my murder, which also meant I shouldn't be aware of Paul's fetishes. Having his skin against mine made me want to vomit. So did knowing what he had done and the secret underwear stash he must have tucked away somewhere, soiled with other women's bodily fluids. Stay away from me, I yelled, grabbing a towel from the cupboard to cover myself while I looked around for any of my clothes. I found my underwear in the top drawer, the same one that had been used for my sister's underwear not long after I died. 
I grabbed the pair of my skinny jeans from the floor and a white t-shirt from the wardrobe. I was dressing as I left the room, hopping along as I put on my jeans, then grabbing at the banister as my t-shirt went over my head. Sarah, what's wrong? Paul called after me, but didn't attempt to follow. I picked up my shoes and bag from the bottom of the stairs and left the house with no notion of where I was going. I walked down the street. A cold wind made my bare arms feel unprotected. I did my best to ignore the chill. It had been so long since the temperature affected me. I'm here to stop the killer, I reminded myself, but not to save my own life. Even if I caught pneumonia, it wouldn't finish me off before my three days were up, would it? What day? The elderly woman from across the road asked. She stopped walking as a pup came to a halt and did his business on the side of the grass. Sorry, nothing, just reminding myself of what I need to do today. Lists, that's what I do. If I write everything down, I can't forget, unless I lose the list. She had it with a laugh. I forced a smile, but my mind was trying to figure out what I should do first. The restaurant, I thought, walking in that direction, checking my bag for my purse and bus pass. Both were there. I changed direction towards a nervous bus stop. If I waited at the crusty edge for long enough, he would probably show up. He must have seen me there before fixating on me. Hi, Sarah. Shelley greeted me as I dropped my bag off in the locker at the back of the staff room upstairs. Hi, I said. I only had three days to live, but keeping her talking seemed so important. She was my friend, or the closest person I had to a friend. Are you okay? she asked. If I told you something, it's just between us, right? I added, looking at my watch and confirming our shift didn't start for another ten minutes. Shelley looked behind her as if making sure I wasn't talking to someone else. Of course, she said, after seeing we were the only two people in the room. I began to tell her about Paul and his sordid secret. Emma would never believe me if I told her directly. I thought if I told Shelley, she might spill to Emma after my murder. Despite my lack of female friends, I was aware of the unspoken rule. Women shouldn't sit back and say nothing while a man messed around behind his girlfriend's back. I was relying on her to know about this rule too. Are you sure? He seems so into you and not the type to, she began. I followed him to a whorehouse, I said. It's not like I lied. I chose to think of it as omitting the details of when I followed Paul. Mainly the fact that it hadn't happened yet and I was a ghost at the time. Wow, she said, looking at me. I guess you can never really know someone. I wanted to talk to her some more, but the clock on the wall turned to ten or one and we hadn't clocked in. As I served customers, my eyes kept wandering to the door. If I could talk to him instead of giving him the cold shoulder, maybe he would give me his real name. Then I could find out a way to let people know who killed me. I thought about the man I talked to inside the darkness, although I'm not sure that's the best way to describe the owner of the voice. He never said anything about coming back as a ghost after my second death. I deliberately waited over whether it would be more permanent. I should have asked, but it all happened so fast and I never expected to be sent back my old life at all. Lunchtime arrived and the old couple from before showed up in the middle of the usual rush. What can I get you? I asked, keeping my voice friendly. 
but making no effort to engage either of them in conversation. The woman looked at me, then at her husband. I guess she was expecting the usual annoying chatter, but I was determined to keep talk to a minimum. If she hated my yammering so much, she placed an order for the two of them. I don't suppose the poor husband got much choice in what he ate. Two bacon rolls, two coffees and a cheesecake. I repeated their order back to them. Yes, thank you, the husband confirmed, possibly just to check that his voice box still worked. Okay, it won't be long. Are you okay? Shelley asked me as we passed. Fine, I replied, my attention already diverting away from her towards the door. Mark entered. His eyes met mine. I forced a smile, despite the feeling of my heartbeat increasing. My smile spread this time because I had a heartbeat. I was alive. The pounding confirmed it. He smiled back, mistaking my grin for joy at seeing him. I'll take this one, I muttered to nobody in particular. I walked towards him, each movement making my legs feel like they were made of lead. Hi, I said, forcing enthusiasm into that one word. I pushed out my chest and twirled my hair. Assuming that's what men like, I've seen plenty of women flirt that way during their meals and the guys never looked like they objected. Hi, he replied. I pushed my hand lightly against his arm before leading him to the smallest free table, which had room for two diners. Is this table okay for you? I asked. Yes, do you want to join me? He offered, lifting his hand to my arm. It rested there and I resisted the urge to shrug it off. Maybe later, we're so busy. But how might you give me your number when we go somewhere later? His eyes widened, but he grinned. Any sign of surprise vanished. He took a pen out of his inside pocket and wrote his number down on the back of a napkin, then handed it to me. I pocketed it, then took his order. Shelley eyed me as I took the order to the kitchen staff. I pretended not to notice. She caught up with me later while I put my coat on to leave. What's going on with you today, she asked, out of earshot of Paul who was on the later shift, so I'd only just arrived in a half an hour earlier. I'd avoided him the whole time. What do you mean? This thing you told me about Paul, and then you start getting cosy and exchanging phone numbers with Mr Hansey. Mr Hansey? The guy who eats here almost every day and mentally undresses the female customers. When it's busy, he uses it as an excuse to brush up against women on the way to the toilet and get a little closer than he needs to. We've had tons of complaints about him. I couldn't lie to her, not if I wanted us to be friends, even if it would be a short-lived friendship. I'm trying to find out who he is, for a friend. What friend? He's been bothering someone I know, and if I can get his real name, maybe the police can get involved. The name he gave me is Mo. I took out my napkin from the pocket and held it out for her to see. Oh, she said, her face creased up. She probably assumed he was a potential rapist, but the truth was more fatal than that. Both were awful, though. He told me his name's Mickey or something like that, but I'm sure I heard him give someone... Possibly a customer, a different name, she admitted. Exactly, so I need to get cosy with him as you phrased it. To put myself in a situation where I can sneak a look at his ID or something with his real name on. So you're going on a date with him? I hadn't thought that far ahead, but it seemed like the only way to put myself in a situation where I would learn something important about him. I suppose I have to, I said. 
Not without me, she replied. You do understand how dating works, I asked. In truth, I only dated Paul and watched customers on dates as I took their orders. I was no expert on the technicalities of dating. Relax, I'll be discreet. I'll wear a hat and maybe a wig and some clothes I wouldn't normally wear. I'll sit just far enough away so neither of you will recognise me. I smiled at her. She seemed excited at the prospect of playing spy. Why? I couldn't help asking. I moved here from London and didn't know anyone. And you seem like a good person to do this for your friend. I want to be your friend too. Besides, I usually go home and eat a microwave meal for one. Dressing up and spying on your date with Mr Hansy is a definite upgrade to my night. I wanted to tell Shelley she would be dating James soon and many of those meals for one would soon become meals for two. The thought occurred to me that even if she believed me, it might somehow change things for her. I didn't want to potentially mess things up, so I kept quiet about a future relationship. I phoned Mark, a.k.a. Mr Hansy, and arranged a date for him at another restaurant on the other side of the city centre, where Shelley would be able to watch her every move from a table at the back of the restaurant. The black wig and fashion glasses combined with her red dress made it difficult for even me to recognise her at first. 